0: I think everybody can relate to, uh, to this experience, um, you know, throughout Canada we, we see teens <clears throat> going out into the, into the Canadian winters um, on buses all the time and, I, and you know it's always a, a thought in parents' and fans' minds about what could happen and, and unfortunately has happened here in Humboldt.
1: Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling. That voice was the voice of Humboldt Mayor Rob Minch describing a quintessentially Canadian tragedy. Normally we try to have fun and goof off while we bring you news and information in the morning, but today will be a little bit different as we all continue to reel from Friday night's national tragedy. The bus crash involving the Humboldt Broncos of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. The team bus T-boned by a semi 15 lives snuffed out. Through the morning, we will bring you as much information as we can about this crash. We will speak to a number of people who can offer some insight, and we will try to bring you stories of hope. We begin today, though, with some thoughts from my counterpart, Greg Macklin.
2: Bear with me as I try to get through this, Brett. Uh, It's been a tough weekend, I know, for millions of Canadians, and that's not an exaggeration. On Friday night, I was doing something purely... Canadian as a family we were at Elmwood Curling Club we were out to watch curling in support of somebody special in our lives the spectator areas were full of parents, family and friends watching 40 young men and women pursue their curling dreams should have a TV crew here one night I thought is there anything more Winnipeg more Canadian than this I was about to find out The news broke on Twitter. The team bus for the Humboldt Broncos had crashed on a Saskatchewan highway. RCMP are confirming serious injuries. A buzz ran through the lounge. And immediately conversation turned to the memories of the swift current Broncos tragedy. People trying to place the year of that bus crash that took the life of four young men chasing their hockey dreams. 1986 was the answer. Tuesday, December 30th, 1986, to be specific. The fact the Humboldt hockey team and Swift Current team share the same team nickname wasn't lost on anyone talking about Friday's events. Wasn't until 6 a.m. on Saturday morning that I read the news. 14 of the 28 people on the Humboldt Broncos team bus were killed. That number has now risen to 15. As the tears streamed down my face, I did as many of you did. I checked my social media feeds. I turned on the radio. I turned on the TV. I wanted to get as much information as I could. As I scrolled my Facebook feed, it became quickly apparent that this tragedy was the only thing people were posting about. Post after post of support. Expressions of sorrow and sympathy. Sometimes expressed simply with the hashtag Prayers for Humboldt. As the morning rolled on, I found myself crying at different times. As a father, a son, someone who played hockey, as a hockey fan, as a Canadian, my heart was broken into pieces. If this has affected you in a similar fashion, I don't need to tell you all the different thoughts that went through my mind gratefulness, bewilderment, shock, pride, empathy. Oh, the empathy. The empathy for those who received news unimaginable hours before. As a community sent off, they, they sent their hockey heroes to stave off elimination from the SJHL playoffs against Nippewan. They gathered in that same building only hours before. People left Elgar Peterson Arena, imagining the worst thing in their lives was a triple overtime loss at the hands of the Nipawin Hawks. As the afternoon went on, details of these men and boys were streamed in news, and news that a young man from Winnipeg was among the survivors emerged. Matthew Gomersick. On Twitter, somebody suggested that the arena where. More than 15,000 people will wear white in support of the hometown Winnipeg Jets later this week. Be filled on this night with people wearing green. What a fantastic idea. Alexander and I found something green to wear under our Jets jerseys. We'd take off our Jets jerseys in favor of green shirts during the moment of silent, which was going to be observed at arenas around North America. When we got to the rink, my my heart was heavy. I was mostly silent as we sat during the regular pregame rituals. As the teams came onto the ice into a standing ovation, all in attendance could read Broncos on both teams' name bars where normally Ehlers, Line, Wheeler, Kane, Tave, Sharp would normally be. Thought they were only going to do that during the warm-up. no. It was apparent that they were going to play the game in the same jerseys both teams had warmed up in. As I was processing the awesomeness of that gesture, both teams skated towards the center ice logo of the Winnipeg Jets. Blackhawks and Jets stood alternately in a circle with the on-ice officials as one big team. All the players with the same name on the back of their jersey, standing for young men who had died, doing what every single one of them had done to be where they were at that very moment. Ride countless kilometers on a team bus from town to town, game to game. It was beyond symbolic. Two NHL teams standing as one for a moment of genuine silence.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, last night an unimaginable tragedy occurred on the roads of rural Saskatchewan. Fifteen members of the humble Broncos junior hockey team lost their lives while other members of the team are still in hospital. In hockey, we've learned that you don't play for the name on the back of the jersey, you play for the crest on the front. Tonight, the Winnipeg Jets and the Chicago Blackhawks, together with the entire National Hockey League, are playing this game For the names on the back of our jerseys, the humble Broncos. We now ask that everyone here tonight, together with those watching on TV across our great country, offer a moment of silence to honor all of those lost and affected by this tragedy.
1: That's the voice of Jay Richardson, the public address announcer at Bell MTS Place. And uh, we must also credit Rogers Sportsnet for that audio, Winnipeg Jets, as well as True North. It's Mackling and McGarry. I'm Brett, he's Greg. We are talking about the tragedy that occurred on Friday, Humboldt Broncos team bus hit by a semi-truck Fourteen people were killed then. Another person later died. Greg has been offering some thoughts in an opening monologue this morning, and we'll hear more of that right now, Greg.
2: Brad, as one commentator said on Saturday, when you're a junior hockey player, you're one of three places. You're at school, at the rink, or on the bus. Paul Maurice, head coach of the Jets, had said earlier in the day Saturday When asked about his strategy in the pending game with Chicago, the game tonight will be played. Played it was, with heavy hearts. Took a few shifts. Eventually the two teams seemed to play at a high level. The Jets broke out into a 4-0 lead that turned into a 4-1 victory. Several points in the evening, a handful of fans tried to initiate a Let's Go Broncos chant, in honour of a team from Saskatchewan. This, in an arena, in downtown Winnipeg. Eventually, a majority of Jets fans lent their voices to a fairly impressive chorus. Let's go, Broncos! 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 In a game full of emotional headlines. Blackhawks player Patrick Sharp played what he says will be his final NHL game. Sharp grew up in Thunder Bay, but he has a Winnipeg-Manitoba birth certificate. Sport, as does life, offers up some magical moments in the face of tragedy. The largest ovation of the night was for a player in the other team's jersey. Sharp visibly overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. So much of the past 60 hours or so has defined and exemplified the very best of what we are as Canadians, not the least of which is how we are coming together in support of one another. You didn't have to have a friend or a relative on that bus in rural Saskatchewan to feel this to your core. You don't need to be a hockey fan or a hockey family. In reality, we have all been known or loved somebody just like those members of the Broncos Pursuing a dream, living for the moment, giving it their all. Love and support goes out to all still hurting, trying to make sense of this tragedy. For the next few days, I think it's safe to say we are all Broncos fans. Last night, a community, a province, a country gathered in a 1,900-seat arena to begin the healing process. What struck me most, Brett, outside the grief, the overwhelming grief. Beyond the sadness was the gratefulness. The gratefulness for the outpouring of support. Sean Brandow, the team chaplain declared that he didn't want to be there. Talk about honest.
3: I don't want to be here. I, I, I don't want to be here. But it's
4: good that we are. Friday, I didn't want to go to the game. My, my kids begged me to go to the hockey game. We traveled up and arrived at the scene shortly after the bus and, and walked up and on a scene that I never want to see again, to sounds I never want to hear again. Uh, to greet Chris, um, I just feel so lost. And to go to the hospital and walk around and and just hear groaning and panic and fear and distress and pain and just nothing but darkness. To sit and hold the hand of a lifeless body.
2: I think that's what this is going to take. As much as anything for all of us to get through this is plenty of honesty but our feelings, our emotions, and gratefulness—gratefulness gratefulness for one another.
5: I, I had
6: I had one of the kids living in my home, and we don't know. We don't know who has passed, and we don't expect to know right away. We we know that uh, the coroner and their office needs to do their work and let families know.
2: That clip was from Friday night. The voice of. The president of the Humboldt Broncos, Kevin Gerringer, as parents from across Western Canada were rushing to the scene of the fatal crash with the team bus. A semi-trailer near Tisdale, Saskatchewan. I'm Greg Mackling. He's Brett McGarry. And Brett, there's a word that came out this weekend that I kind of wondered if everybody knew the meaning of. And that's the word
1: billet. Yep. I had no idea. I didn't know this was a thing. I'd never heard of it. Didn't even know how to pronounce it. I had to look it up. Now that's partially because I went to French immersion, so sometimes when I see words that I learned in French, I have a hard time uh, translating it to English, I would have said billet. that's a French word for ticket. Right. Uh, So the word, I, I figured it was billet, but I had to double check it. That's how little I knew about this, how little I knew nothing about this. So I was happy to come in and find that there was a story in our news run from the Canadian press which I will read to you here. For many of the young hockey players involved in a crash with the Humboldt Broncos team bus, the small Saskatchewan town was a home very far away from home. Billeting coordinator Gail Chillman in Estevan, Saskatchewan, says that's because many junior teams rely on a process where local families house young hockey players from across Canada and the United States.
7: Some of them are come in and fit in really quickly. Some of them get homesick for a while when they first come, especially if they're young at 17 or 18 years of age but most of the time they they fit into your families and they just become part of you.
1: Now Chilman has been hosting junior hockey players since 1995 and hosted the Broncos head coach who was confirmed as one of the dead in Friday's crash and we learned also that there is a billet family in Steinbach who took care who housed one of the the young men who now plays for the Humboldt Broncos, uh, Matthew Gomersick, who played for the Steinbach Pistons from 2014 to 2016, Donna and David uh, McCola and their, their family in Steinbach took him in. Uh, took in Matt while he was there. So yeah, I just this weekend gave me a lot of perspective as to what these young players go through. You know, I I think we when it comes to professional athletes. You know, sometimes I think that, uh, you know, us normal folk kind of look at pro athletes as, oh, you get paid millions of dollars a year to, to play a game. But, you know, these guys, I, didn't, I never quite thought of what they have to go through as young players, one, chasing their dreams. I mean, just look at uh, the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. You've got Verdun, which is just under 300 kilometers west of Winnipeg. Well, it's a capo. Same thing, just over 300 kilometers. Swan Valley Stampeders, that's 500 kilometers northwest of Winnipeg and Swan River. And then OCN, Opasquia Cree Nation, which is right by the pod, that's over 600 kilometers northwest of Winnipeg. So these young men have to get on a bus and do these trips. And that's just in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, never mind the Western Hockey League, which takes teams from Manitoba to British Columbia to Washington as you reminded me, there are teams in Spokane and Tri-City. So yeah, these these guys are on the bus for a long time. And yeah, it just kind of made me realize there is a lot more going on with like you don't have to be a fan of, of hockey to 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 relate to that kind of thing, to relate to the fact that these guys are going through a lot to go after what they want in life.
2: I had a lot of people interacting on uh, Facebook and other social media reminding me that, you know, there are parents with kids in dance. Uh, I can remember taking the bus to Brandon for a track meet back in the day. Uh, It's not exclusive to hockey. We think about hockey, and because junior hockey, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old Boys are out chasing their dream. The Brandon Wheat Kings. I, I sat down and did a little bit of math yesterday afternoon in their regular season. They're in the throes of WHL playoffs right now. They traveled over 23,000 kilometers this past year by bus. Yeah. From Brandon to his, to Portland and back and to all places in between there and back several times. And, uh, yeah it's a, it's an overwhelming amount of time that they would spend on a bus traveling the way they do chasing as we say chasing their dreams now i know there was a uh, considerable amount of of coverage all weekend
1: does this montage cover the bases it does this is from this was put together by uh, one of our colleagues named nikki Reitmeyer, in our station in Vancouver, CKNW. It aired yesterday afternoon on the Roy Green Show just before 4 o'clock, but uh, we're assuming that many of you did not have the opportunity to listen to it, to hear it, so we wanted to play it for you now.
8: A nation in mourning our hearts collectively with those in Humboldt, Saskatchewan.
9: Following a horrific bus crash that killed 15 on the team bus and sent another 15 to hospital. We're grieving the loss of 15 members of the hockey community. The Humboldt
8: uh, Broncos in the semifinals of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League playoffs on their way to Nipawin for game five of their series with the Hawks.
0: All these kids, I, I, I know they woke up Friday
10: morning excited about getting on the bus to go play a playoff hockey game and ready for it and can't wait to get into the arena because they're going to win a hockey game that night and on the bus they're bonding and enjoying themselves and talking because they're with their best friends and every time you're on a team those are your 19 or 20 best friends the last thing that ever crosses anyone's mind is something tragic like this could happen Tremendous response uh, to the scene Uh, I would estimate RCMP resources at the scene and around the scene uh, last evening were in excess of 50 members.
9: Those among the 15 killed in the horrific crash were the team's head coach Darcy Hogan, assistant coach Mark Cross, Captain Logan Schatz.
11: One of my dear friends is the head coach uh, Darcy Hogan, of uh, the team who, who didn't make it. I worked with that hockey club for uh, three years. Yeah, it's uh, it was a hard night and it's, uh, it's been a hard day for sure.
9: Uh, being on the national team and we you know many of the games that we played in, in preparation for the olympics were barnstorming across western canada playing midget triple a and junior a teams and met many of these boys so it really really hits home for me there's not six degrees of separation in hockey there's one or two
7: a GoFundMe page set up last night is well over three hundred and thirty thousand dollars so far this morning surpassing that goal of one hundred thousand dollars in the last hour or so It's increased by about $200,000. The GoFundMe page has reached more than $1.66 million in just about 20 hours.
0: I can thank the community and the nation and internationally. Thank everybody so much for all that they've done and what they're doing. And we have a long road ahead of us.
7: A pastor of a local church opened his doors to the church for the families of the victims. seen, seen somebody across the room and they got a phone
8: call
0: and then they headed out the door. I said, Did they get, hear anything? So and yeah, they found out their son's in the hospital and they went to go see him at the hospital. And yeah, that's a little bit tough for everybody else watching because. Well, I don't have any news yet, and what does that mean for me? Uh, I
8: remember the families trying to get information whose kid it was. All they hear is, it's fatalities. There's this many fatalities, there's that many fatalities. Nobody really knew. None of the parents knew. None of the parents knew. Uh, you know, it's,
12: it's just, a, just a devastating, been a devastating night and day.
8: And for these survivors, for their families, for their loved ones, life is really never going to be the same.
1: The GoFundMe page, by the way, that was set up for the Humboldt Broncos on Friday night with the goal of raising $10,000 is now up to $4.7 million. To be exact, 4.706491. That's an incredible amount of money. 60,000 people have... 68,000 people have contributed to that GoFundMe campaign. Just an incredible show of generosity.
2: Brett, one of the individuals killed... On Friday night was CHBO broadcaster Tyler Bieber. He was their play-by-play announcer. We're going to be joined by our own Kelly Moore, spent 22 years riding buses to provide play-by-play commentary on the radio at a variety of levels of hockey. We will visit with Kelly. We know this has hit him very hard, and we will give him the opportunity to share his thoughts, his feelings on this national tragedy when we come back. 6.49, Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry, joined by Kelly Moore. As we reflect on Friday's tragedy, 15 young men, some boys, uh, in fact, killed on the highways of Saskatchewan, playing hockey, doing something they loved. One individual on that bus did something that we love. He was a broadcaster, Tyler Bieber, twenty nine years old. He was the play by play voice of the Humboldt Broncos for Bolt FM in Humboldt. I said before the break
13: Kelly, twenty two years riding a bus is that yeah. accurate? That's uh, bang on. Uh, there were some uh, airplane rides thrown in the middle of the days with the American and international hockey leagues, but there was also a a ton of bus travel as well. It was different at the professional level than it was. At the junior level, you know the uh, uh, the stakes were a little higher at the pro level, and, and and you just you know you were you were dealing with grown men as opposed to dealing with sixteen to twenty year olds at the junior level who weren't getting paid uh, any uh, real sort of money, and 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 so that that kind of made a little bit of a difference. And uh, I was two years younger than Tyler Bolt when I had my first full time play by play job in nineteen eighty four. And I remember, as if it was yesterday, getting on the bus for the first time for a preseason game in Seattle, and this big mountain of a man lumbering up the stairs, looking at me right in the eyeballs and saying, you dumb <clears throat> play-by-play, there's only one rule you need to know. What goes on the bus stays on the bus. And that was the, the credo that I lived by uh, for all those years, but I would not trade those memories for anything I you learn very quickly how the hierarchy works uh, in hockey and I and, and it's the same thing in the pros as it is in the juniors the team personnel the coaches the training staff the dumb you know what play-by play all sit up at the front uh, the rookies some of them two to a seat because they haven't earned their stripes yet uh, they sit at the front and in the middle the further you get to the back of the bus the more years Have been spent on that team or in that league, and uh, I can remember many a night in the middle of the night, um, thinking, "Man, I have to go to the washroom." And you look back, and there's this mass of arms and legs and bodies strewn all over that bus, sleeping. Some of them might be reading, and you thought, "You know what? I'll just hang on for a few more miles. This bus driver is going to have to have a coffee," and the bus driver is someone else who I want to talk about right now as every bit as important a support person on that team as there was. He was the guy that anywhere between 20 and 25 people entrusted their lives with the really good ones, uh, stayed with those teams. I remember there were two guys in particular who drove for a lot of the 10 years I rode the bus in Kamloops and, uh, they're like family. They really are. You uh, you forge relationships. And again, at the time, I kept an arm's length because they had their job to do and I had mine, but I uh, ran into a, a fellow Saturday night up in the press box who uh, was a former Kamloops captain. Hadn't seen him for, for quite a while, and right away, we locked eyes and... And uh, the, uh, the reason we did uh, was because of what had happened over the weekend. It, uh, it hit very hard. I didn't know any of those kids. I, I didn't have the same kind of relationships that other people did, and yet I've spent most of my weekend since first finding out Friday night in this state of mind. I'm sorry, but I'm never going to apologize for feeling the way that I do about kids I know, not directly, but I know what, what this meant to them. And I can only hope that uh, that we never, ever fear getting back on that bus again and doing what we love, because there's 15 angels that wouldn't want us to feel any other way.
1: Kelly, you mentioned that uh, it was different riding with, with the grown men in the pro yeah. leagues. Versus the 16- to 20-year-olds, how was it different?
13: Uh, just the young guys, I mean, they were a, a lot of them were away from home for the first time. Uh, they were very impressionable. Uh, as my time with the team grew, I, I, I was only kind of a father figure when they wanted that. I never, ever pushed myself on them. But there were times when, you know, they just want to chat. And uh, I was kind of the friendly voice because I wasn't a coach. And I wasn't uh, anybody pushing them. I was just kind of there. But uh, I, I just felt very strongly that a lot of these guys would either go on to university or go on to other parts of their lives. But they weren't going to, you know, become professional hockey players and not all of them anyway and, and make tons of money. And even the ones that did, it didn't matter. They were at that stage of their lives. So, you know, it's it's different when you're talking to guys who are, you know, in their mid-20s or, or early 30s and they've been around for a while. Uh, but uh, but the younger guys, I think you you cut them some slack. They were at the end of the day. They were tremendous hockey players, phenomenal athletes. But at the end of the day, they were just kids. and uh, and so that was uh, the mindset that I had
2: when when you realize that I mentioned this just a little about twenty minutes ago, there are, young women that compete in Irish dance. There are kids who curl. There are kids and uh, boys, girls, women, men that compete in a variety of different sports. And in our country, look at our CIS teams. They travel all over the country by bus. Yeah. And some eventually get to travel by plane, but this is the mode of transportation. Millions of kilometers cumulatively for all these organizations and... I hope that we realize how infrequent for as tragic as this all is to try and find some hope here is to to realize how infrequently this does happen based on how often there are teams and
13: athletes and competitors going from place to place in this fashion, Kelly. And I could tell you, I mean, it's been it's been a few years since I rode a bus, but those were the absolute best times of my life. Was spending that that time with those athletes, and in the early years there were no, you know, there were no video monitors for DVDs. You read, you played cards, you talked. What teams? Uh, I was with the Camels Blazers at the time, uh, so that was from '84 through '94, and then I came here to Winnipeg, and it was my tenth and final year that we finally were able to get video monitors on the bus. <laughs> and of course, you know, the first movie we watched. Slap shot. Slap shot. Yeah, on a on a road trip from Kamloops uh, out to the prairies. But it, uh, it, if you've never ridden a bus, you've missed a tremendous experience with a team.
1: 680 CJOB's Kelly Moore. Thank you very much. Kelly will rejoin us once again at 725. With all the latest in sports, it's Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. Good morning. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling, and we will have more on our top story in a moment. But first, just wanted to acknowledge a couple of things. Tonight at One Great City Brewing Company, our grand finale event for Win Local with 680 CJOB. We've been taking qualifiers for the last few weeks on the 680 CJOB Morning Show and on the news in the afternoon with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. All of the qualifiers will join us tonight at One Great City Brewing Company, where one person will walk away with all of the goodies and the grand prize. So hope to see you there if you are one of the qualifiers. Also, in case you missed it last night, the Winnipeg Jets released their first round schedule for the 2018 Stanley Cup playoffs, or as... I like to call it, the North American (laughs) Ice Hockey Championships. Yes. Uh, Game one against the Minnesota Wild, Wednesday at Bell MTS Place at 6 p.m. 6
2: p.m. I sold my tickets for the first game because, well, getting up at the hour that we do, 7 o'clock or 7.30 is just too late, 6 o'clock. I could totally pull it off. But somebody who really wanted to go is going to get to go. I will be there on Friday night as the puck drops at 6.30. And looking forward to uh, experiencing the whiteout one more time. It will be a magical time. A lot of pressure on the Jets to win that first game. There's no question about it. Uh, Everybody talking about a long playoff run. Let's just win one game first and see where it goes. And if you want to uh, celebrate downtown, uh, Donald Street will be uh, closed off to traffic, and you can uh, head down there and watch on big screens and and party outside of the arena if you want to just... Partake in the vibe, so to
1: speak. Yeah, the Jets finished second overall in the NHL with 114 points, three points back of the Nashville Predators, who just happened to be in the same division as the Jets, the Central Division. But 19- in any other division, the Jets walk away with that title. But uh,
2: yeah, 1984-85, Edmonton was first overall, Winnipeg was fourth, Calgary was fifth, all in the Smythe division, and the Jets had to play Calgary in the first round. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes, and then had to play Edmonton in the second round, the, the three of the top five teams in the league in the same division. The good news and the reason that second place is a big deal in the league because if they should advance, if the Jets should advance past the second round of the playoffs, if they indeed faced Nashville in the second round, Nashville would have home ice advantage but the Jets would have home ice advantage in any other series against any other team other than Nashville. So that's why that's a big deal, including the Stanley Cup file. Now, should it make it that far?
1: So we'll have lots to talk about when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets throughout the week here on 680 CJOB, but right now we want to turn our attention back to our top story.
0: Next, if we could have Bill Chow, president of the SJHL.
3: Good afternoon, everybody. Um, I don't have a lot to say, uh, other than <clears throat> other than the worst nightmare has happened.
1: That is the president of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, Bill Chow, at par, as part of an emotional news conference on Saturday afternoon, where we heard from the mayor of Humboldt, where we heard from the RCMP as the Humboldt Broncos in the wake of the devastating crash on Friday night.
2: For many young ath- athletes like the Broncos, Brett, bus travel is a way of life and part of living their dreams. We've reached out to Doug Bowes, a friend of mine who's also a former equipment manager in both the MJHL and the Western Hockey League, to hear about his experiences and life on the bus. Doug, thank you for doing this. What a Greg? How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm holding it together this morning a lot better than I was doing over the weekend, to be sure. Last night during the vigil, uh, I had both the, both the boys in bed with me holding them close to, you know, as we were watching uh, what Humboldt and the whole country really is going through. And you were on the Moose Jaw Warriors bus. The Moose Jaw Warriors, of course, were the Winnipeg Warriors once upon a time. And they, they had a, 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 an incident uh, with a bus of their own that, that you happened to be on once upon a time.
10: Yeah, that goes back to, I think, early 1988. It was after the Swift Current crash. And we'd been in Brandon playing the Wheat Kings. My mom and dad were there. Uh, they brought one of my friends out. You know, just a normal hockey game. Got spent 20 minutes with my family, and we headed home. Uh, we were just, just outside of Indian Head, Saskatchewan. As I like to mention to people, this is literally the only ditch in Saskatchewan and uh, we got hit with a big gust of wind, and the bus left the highway. And by the time we'd come to a stop up against a, um, a blind of trees, um, we were, you know, 100, 150 feet off the roadway. Um, how our bus stayed upright, God only knows. We had a couple of kids that got hurt. We had a guy that uh, wrenched his neck. Uh, we had a kid that smashed his head on a win- window post. But other than that, we were pretty
2: unscathed. Talk about life on the bus. Talk about life in, in junior hockey and this pursuit of, of being the best of who you are. Some, some kids are playing knowing they're not going to make it to the next level, but that doesn't stop them from performing and doing their very best in a game they love.
10: For sure. And I, I mean, you know, with my experience, I started in this business, uh, I was 20 years old and I worked with Winnipeg Blues and uh, I started off as an equipment manager. We won the Manitoba championship and we actually went to Humboldt to play, to play them in the Manitoba Saskatchewan uh, championship. And I'd really never been a part of anything like that in my life. Like they just had such a rabid fan base and the building was packed and they had a phenomenal team. I mean, they had kids from all over North America playing for them. Um, and it just, you know, the life on the bus, like I mentioned on Facebook this weekend, it's your family. And there's lots of stories and hopes and dreams and confessions and card games. And the, the thing that really struck me and the, and the guys that I've been in touch with over the weekend is we could all put ourselves on that bus because we've all, we've all been there. Like, I was riding the bus in Manitoba and Saskatchewan, and um, it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking.
1: Doug Bowes, former equipment manager in both the MJHL and WHL. We only got about 30 seconds left here, Doug, but uh, I was just curious to know when, when the younger players first get on these buses for the long trips, how do they, how do they handle the length of the road trips?
10: Well, I think I think uh, the kids at every age. I mean, getting on the bus and traveling from city to city—it's part of the rite of passage. Um, you know, it's what you look forward to. Nobody nobody wants the morning skate and then the afternoon practice. I mean, guys love to get on the bus, and it's their home. That's 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 how they hang out with each other. That's where they learn about each other. Um, you know, there's lots of private conversations that happened on a bus full of people, um, you know, it literally is their home away from home.
2: Doug, thanks for sharing this insight and uh, condolences to you. I know that uh, extended family, this has struck uh, very close as well. So condolences extended to uh, those people in your lives that are directly affected by this. We appreciate you sharing your stories with us.
10: Thanks, guys, and let's keep praying for Humboldt.
1: Doug Bose, former equipment manager in both the Manitoba Junior Hockey League and Western Hockey League. And after we check traffic and weather, we will ask first responders, how do they cope with a tragedy like this? It's Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. We are, of course, mourning the loss of 15 people who
2: were on the Humboldt Broncos Junior Hockey Team's bus when it collided with a transport truck en route to Friday's playoff game in Nipawan, Saskatchewan. Residents of tiny Humboldt, 6,000 people grieving. They're in their hockey arena laying flowers around center ice where the puck would have dropped last night to open a scheduled playoff
1: game. 14 others on the bus were injured, some critically our thoughts are with everyone affected by this tragedy, including those who arrived first on scene. And we are joined now by Jen Lundeen, who is the primary wellness coordinator for the Manitoba Paramedics Association, to learn more about how first responders deal with a situation like this. Jen, good morning. Thank you for taking the time today.
9: Oh, good morning. Thanks for having me.
1: So, Jen, first of all, I guess, when when first responders arrive at a scene like this where a bus has you know there's no way around it this bus was obliterated by this train and you have uh, young people who are dead and who are badly injured how do they hold it together and and do their jobs
9: um I think it's I think it's actually interesting I think a lot of first responders really go into autopilot mode um, we've done a lot of training to, you know, get to a scene and to sort of focus on the task at hand. And um, there would have been various levels of experience um, in the responders there. But really, uh, people are well trained for their jobs. And for that part of the job, I think people go into sort of on autopilot, like I said, and they, and they just really kind of focus uh, um, on the patients and one patient at a time and, you um, go through any protocols that they would have as far as mass casualty and other resources that they would need. It's very job focused initially, the response. Um, All the other stuff happens later.
1: And with that other stuff, do you have paramedics who deal with things like post-traumatic stress disorder because of things they experienced on the job?
9: Absolutely. Yeah, it's, there's no question, um, uh, after the event, after things have, have wrapped up, and after patients are at the hospital, after it's the after part, that um, things become quite difficult and a lot more. Um, i guess focused on yourself and your reactions to things um and that's when that's when the processing starts to happen so um we definitely have things in place there's i mean i think primarily people reach out to their partners and to their colleagues and um, there's a lot of informal processing that happens um just in where you know at the hospitals and in the stations and in in places like that where uh, the people really the only people that know what you went through were the people that were there with you or that can have been in there in those situations. So there's a lot of informal processing that happens that way. Um, but there's definitely, for, for any events really, but especially for large events like this, there would be um, other sort of more formal supports in place, there's things like peer support programs that are available in many regions and many services. Um, Most uh, first responder organizations would have access to employee assistance programs and, and which would offer support for not only the employee but the family as well. Um, there's lots of services are doing a, sort of some pre-training, if you will, for these kinds of events like resilience training and sort of focusing on overall wellness so that when you do inevitably, maybe not an event like this, um, but get to those difficult calls that people are a little more able to um, deal with the aftermath. Um, and, the, and really the biggest thing is that we really encourage people to talk and, and to reach out for help and that you're not alone and um, that, that it's okay to not feel okay after and that any responses after an event like this are normal. And we don't like to use the word normal, but um, that they're okay. It's okay how you're feeling.
1: Jen Lundeen is Primary Wellness Coordinator for the Manitoba Paramedics Association. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Absolutely. I
8: think uh, we some, they sometimes get uh, lost uh, uh, in these discussions, and I think that, uh, you know, uh, showing up and and having to, to you know to do the work to uh, to free some of the injured and um, you know and to deal with some of the deceased is a, uh, a very diff- difficult job and and uh, we know vicarious trauma with frontline responders is real and uh, there's no doubt that uh, they're going to need our support and all of this as well.
1: That is former NHL player Sheldon Kennedy, who was with the Swift Current Broncos when the team bus crashed in December of 1986. And Four people died. In that clip, in an interview with Global News Calgary, he was talking about how years later he bumped into first responders from that very scene in 1986, and they say that that crash still sticks with them. Just before CJOB Sports at 7.25 with Kelly Moore this morning, we heard from the Paramedics Association of Manitoba talking about how tragedies like the crash involving the Humboldt Broncos can affect first responders.
2: We are joined now from Humboldt, Saskatchewan, by Global News reporter, Brittany Greenslade. Uh, First of all, Brittany, just incredible work in in a time of so much sadness, so much sorrow. But there was cause for at least small amounts of celebration last night as the community gathered inside the arena in Humboldt for that vigil. There were a couple of the players that survived this crash in attendance.
5: There was, and uh, it was really important, they say, to be here. Nick Shumlansky was one of the survivors. He managed to walk away from that horrible crash with just a few bruises and scrapes, saying uh, he can't believe he walked away with just that. He released a bit of a statement as well, saying that reality hasn't really hit yet. It hasn't set in. It's really devastating to have lost so many close friends, brothers, and amazing coaches. Um, He spoke about how times are tough right now, but the support that people have shown him is just so amazing. And you could just see that look on his face as he walked in to this vigil uh, down at ice surface where we know those players and the families of some of the victims were here and the billet families, um, the tears, the raw emotion. Um, Matthew Gomersick, who was the lone Manitoban on the team, uh, was also released from hospital. He, one of the survivors as well, was here last night to be here uh, with friends and family and really be able to take that first step in moving forward and healing. Um, that's what this vigil was all about for so many of these people and, and- really these people in the town here um, one thing that we've said over and over again that people need to remember is many of these players aren't from here which means that they live with other families they're billeted with families in this community and that really becomes their second family it's their home away from home so for every victim in this crash we're not talking about just one family that's affected it's two but it really spans so much further this community is so tight-knit and. That's the one thing you saw here, the raw emotion here last night. I don't think there was a dry eye in this arena or for anybody that was watching that vigil.
2: Brittany, outside of that pure, raw emotion being conveyed, being expressed, the thing that stood out for me was the genuine gratefulness from everyone who spoke last night, everyone from clergy to the mayor to the president of the Humboldt Broncos. Their their genuine thankfulness for the care, the support, the generosity that's been sent their way. It, it really uh, blew me away, to, to put it bluntly.
5: Yeah, Greg, this, we we like to say it's a small community because it's a town of 6,000. Um, small but mighty, small but strong. This, this town has shown such resilience and um, compassion to others during such a difficult time. Um, as you know, when many terrible tragedies hit, us as media descend upon these small towns uh, trying to bring that story to Canada, trying to bring that story to our viewers and our listeners and people here have opened up their arms to us. Um, I had one moment with one gentleman yesterday who's been a scorekeeper here for the Broncos for eight years. He's a former billet as well and as we were talking he broke down in tears and just asked if he could give me a hug and we sat there just in silence crying for a few moments. Um, that's what this community is they they open their arms to everyone um, they've opened their arms to all of these hockey players year year after year who come here um, and we heard from another gentleman yesterday who said these hockey players weren't just hockey players these were young men who helped out in this community um, many of them going and helping shovel driveways in the winter uh, doing anything they could these Young men were stand-up citizens in this community and are going to be very dearly missed.
2: Uh, one of those killed was a broadcaster, Tyler Bieber, and you know, uh, as as broadcasters, that that hits home for us. How are you holding up? In, in all of this, you've been telling stories for for almost three straight days now. How are you holding up?
5: I think it hits all of us. Um, I, it doesn't matter if we're media, um, but. For us on the ground here, getting to speak to these people, getting to learn about them, getting to share their stories, that helps us. I think it helps everybody heal. It's it's what helps Canada heal during this. Um, When you get to hear more about who these people were, uh, I spoke to one one guy yesterday whose brother is still in the ICU, um, and he has gotten a tattoo of his brother's heartbeat on his arm, his heartbeat from in the ICU. It just shows... What everybody else is going through, and people here have opened up their arms to us. And I think that that's helped everybody heal. We're all just in this together.
2: And I think that's part of what we're trying to do this morning and recapping, uh, the stories, the sounds, the quotes, the emotion, like last night, uh, that community believes they started the healing process and this is reaching across the country. There are lots of people here in Winnipeg who are feeling this in a, in a very large fashion. Uh, we're starting, we're, we're trying to, to heal. And I think a big part of that, Brittany, is sharing those stories. And, and, and I've heard that more than once from interview subjects that you've interacted with.
5: And we heard it last night here. Um, it was said best. We are all Humboldt humble Broncos. This could have happened anywhere. Um, we know how much hockey affects everybody in this country, how much everybody lives and breathes hockey in Canada. Um, and we saw those tweets going out last night with people putting hockey sticks out on their porches saying, leave one out for the boys. They might need it. Um, that is what Canada is about. And we, as a community here, as Canadians, as the hockey community heals, everybody here will heal together.
2: Brittany, you know a little bit about my rivalry. I joke about how much I, quote unquote, adore Saskatchewan. Uh, <laughs> even I'm wearing green today in support of this tragedy in support of the folks in Saskatchewan. This is, uh, this supersedes uh, all rivalries. Uh, this is a, a Canadian story, uh, one that I don't know if we've ever seen like it. I wanna thank you for the coverage you're providing and the, and the personal side of this story that you're bringing to light. It's, it's beyond
1: appreciated. Thanks, Greg. Global News reporter Brittany Greenslay joining us from Humboldt, Saskatchewan. Up next, after we check traffic and weather, we will speak with the president of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. The Humboldt Broncos, of course, were with the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. We'll get Kim Davis's thoughts in a moment with Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. Potential genuine whiteout for
2: Wednesday evening as the Jets and the Wild face off in Game 1 of their National Hockey League playoff series. Yeah, that's right. We'll talk more about that as we make our way through the day. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you. And all morning we've been providing coverage of the aftermath of Friday's bus crash involving members of the Humboldt Broncos. 15 people died when the junior hockey team bus collided with a tractor trailer en route to a playoff game in Nippewan, Saskatchewan. Another 14 individuals are injured. We want to reach out to our friends in the MJHL to find out how the league is coping. Longtime friend of this radio station and certainly back in my days of hosting Sports Sunday and the Sunday morning hockey show, Kim Davis joins us now. Kim, it's been far too long since we spoke. I'm sorry it's under these circumstances.
12: Uh, good morning, Greg. Uh, you're right, yes, uh, absolutely. And, and good morning, Brad, to you as well. Good
1: morning.
2: Yeah. Kim, uh, how do you process all this? Uh, there are... There are obviously emotions that you have, uh, young men and boys that are members of your league that, uh, mm-hmm. may be approaching, uh, their life in hockey a little bit differently based on this tragedy. We can talk about that in a minute, but what about the logistics of it all? The SJHL and the, and the MJHL, um, are rival leagues uh, that compete against one another at some point.
12: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are, uh. For sure, we're rival leagues, and and but but first before that, we're we're partner leagues, and um and that's how we that's how we're looking at this, and we look at most things that way actually, um, you know, they uh, you know as you as you indicated, uh, we can't begin to process it. So, but what we do know is you know at at the base level that uh, you know we're. Uh, we're We're people that that uh, want to want to be known as as uh, someone who who supports people when they need it. and uh, that's what we're doing
1: no and asking this this question, uh, I, I want to make sure that i that I comes off that I'm not pointing the finger of blame mm-hmm. at anybody or implying blame because our, we still don't know the cause of this crash. but the the drivers in in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, where do you seek them out?
12: Well, the teams do that uh, locally, um, and 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 it's a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, in some cases, some teams have drivers that are that are uh, volunteers, basically uh, experienced uh, drivers, either either pe- uh, people who drive trucks or, or that sort of thing. Just generally, other teams uh, uh, use uh, uh, companies like uh, you know Beaver Bus Lines, for example, and. Uh, yeah, uh, you know and 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 their their staff would would uh would, would uh would fulfill that role you know on a, on a trip so um you know it, it's uh it's a little bit of a mixed bag as it relates to that and and but the teams uh the teams are responsible for you know ensuring uh you know those roles are filled properly uh and and uh and with the care and the intention that's needed
2: Kim, where does the MJHL uh, playoff Turnbull Cup series stand, and mm-hmm. where's it? When's it set to resume, and under what circumstances?
12: Um, um, well, as you as you may know, uh, we had a game scheduled yesterday which was postponed. Um, we, um, myself, uh, and the league office, uh, we will be uh, meeting this morning by uh, by conference call with the the two teams that are still engaged in the playoffs, and we'll be discussing just that so at this point i don't have a definitive answer on that we we do understand and realize that we will have to resume and we will be working towards that we're we're hoping that it's uh you know as soon as we we can make it but at the same time we're trying to be um mindful of the uh um you know of several things i guess first of all the the people um in humboldt and um, and the surrounding area there as it relates to this and and the families uh of those people that have been affected and then in addition to that the our own our own players and and, and coaches and, and trainers uh who uh in some cases uh, as you alluded at the, at the off the top are 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 in you know i've experienced some trauma with as a result of this incident and uh so um just, you know, uh, I don't know what, what the way to do it is or what the answer is. So honestly, I don't. But we're, we're just trying to have some discussion about it and, and come to a resolution. And we will be doing that. And, and, and uh, hopefully we can get going, uh, you know, fairly promptly. But I don't really know uh, when that will be. It'll likely be during this week that we're in now, uh, for sure. But uh, exactly when, I don't know yet.
1: Uh, just a quick traffic tip here: southbound train just passing uh, Furmore, although uh, that's not entirely sure where. Uh, Greg, I'm just trying to picture where that would I be believe crossing.
2: It, I think it's just just east of Archibald, if that's I'm not right. mistaken, if where Archibald near Niagara Golf Course. Sir.
1: Thank you, and uh, also a heads up: going eastbound on Bishop Grandin at River, there was a deer that was struck. It's in the median. So again, this is. Eastbound on Bishop Grandin at River, there was a deer that was struck in the median, and there's another deer on the east side of Bishop Grandin that's trying to make its way across, so watch out for that. Now, Kim Davis, uh, Commissioner of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, President of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, you mentioned that you are a partner league with the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because you do eventually come together and face off with uh, that league is that right?
12: Yes, that's right, Brett. Um I guess what I'm really referring to there is that um uh, we, we the way we operate, the way we we discuss issues related to our game uh that that affect us uh, both uh individually and and collectively, we do it in 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 a manner in which partners would do that. We discuss it. We we the, the teams that are going to be playing in the America Cup for example are going to be competitors and and there be no there be no mistake about that. But um, as a result as it relates to you know like this sort of incident we're we're not competing with them about, about things like this obviously you know we we we're partners we want to be and partners support people they 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 give uh shoulders to lean on uh that sort of thing we we certainly have some disagreements for sure when we when we talk in a partnership mode but but uh for the most part we we uh you know, we support each other when when it's well, certainly when it's needed, and uh, and provide insight and uh, uh, whatever other assistance we can do. And uh, in, in addition to that, I mean, we are part of the Canadian Junior Hockey League. Each of us, the SJHL and the MJHL, and in that sense, we're partners. We're part of that organization together. Each individually, uh, partners of that that greater whole. And so you know we we do cooperate i guess in 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 many many things um the the things that that, that people see on the ice as it relates to as I say the anti cup and and what have you certainly would indicate that there's a competitive side to it, and there really is, but most of the other things are are partnership and cooperatively uh done.
2: I'm going to ask you to do this in 30 seconds, Kim, uh, sure. the Humboldt Broncos have been a cornerstone of the SJHL. They are really mm-hmm. a model franchise for all of junior hockey across the country. Fair to say.
12: Yeah, it's certainly, certainly I would say, I mean, I've been there many times, um, you know, with our team that plays in that's played in the Annabeth cup. I had two brothers that played there in the, in the late seventies. Um, so at different times, uh, consecutive years, but you know, from a personal perspective, um, you know, I can certainly endorse what you've said, Greg. They they are a model franchise. They're, they're a wonderful, uh, uh, wonderful organization. Nobody, nobody deserves uh, what, what, what happened Friday and least of all uh, a group like that.
1: Kim Davis, president of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. Thank you very much for joining us this morning right. on 680 CJOB. Thanks. Thanks, gentlemen. After Global News at 8 o'clock with Jeff Braun, we will hear more from former NHL player Sheldon Kennedy, who was on the bus when the Swift Current Broncos experienced a crash in 1986. And he describes what that event was like. That's coming up with Mackling and McGarry on CJOB. I'm Brett McGarry. He is Greg Mackling. We will have more on our top story in a moment. But before we proceed, we just want to quickly mention, in case you somehow missed it last night, maybe you're just getting in your car, you haven't had time to check social media, you woke up late for work, I don't know, it's a Monday. We all hate Mondays. Winnipeg Jets released their first round schedule for the 2018 Stanley Cup playoffs, or as I like to affectionately refer to it as the North American Ice Hockey Championships, game one against the Minnesota Wild Wednesday at Bell MTS Place at 6 p.m. Poor Greg sold his ticket. <laughs> oh, I could have gone! <laughs> Thinking it would start at 7 or 7.30. Yep. That was my first thought of that. 6 p.m. Hey, I bet you Greg gets to go to that. Yep. Not nope. so much now. It's kind of tough to go without a ticket. <laughs> game two is on Friday at 6.30 and then of course there's also going to be the Winnipeg Whiteout Party, which will be happening on Donald,
2: right? That's right. I, and in and around the parking lot on on Donald by the Metropolitan. Uh, Theater where we uh, were just a couple of weeks ago for an event, a fantastic place to get together. looks like maybe a little bit of snow in the forecast, very apropos. And just to give you a heads up, so you're not looking for the game on TV if you don't have tickets, the game is on Sportsnet. It's not on CBC. So you have to have those Sportsnet channels in order to get the game, uh, any game this series, in fact, because CBC uh, locked down the Maple Leafs, Boston Bruins series, and uh, Net snapped up the Jets and Minnesota Wild. So, just to give you some warning ahead of time to make sure you have those extra channels.
1: We will have all sorts of discussion about the Winnipeg Jets this week on 680 CJOB. But right now, we want to revisit our top story Humboldt Broncos, Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League team bus crash hit by a semi truck on Friday. 15 people dead, 14 others injured and this harkens back to 1986 December of 1986 when the swift current Broncos had a bus crash and four people died and former NHL player Sheldon Kennedy was on that bus he describes that event to Global News Calgary
8: well I mean you know our experience was uh, you know a typical trip you know we were all getting on the bus uh, heading to Regina it was the first game after Christmas and uh you know, people were just getting settled down in their seats and uh, and the bus went off the road and, and uh, flipped over on its side and we hit an approach and that was our impact and, uh, you know, I was sitting at the very front of the bus um, and, uh, you know, I was sitting uh, beside uh, Joe Sackick and, you know, we saw, you know, we were kind of watching and looking out the front window and, and uh, you know, I think one of the Myths is that you know in 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 accidents like this uh, it, there there's a lot of chaos and that there's a lot of uh, noise and and really <clears throat> it was quite eerily uh, silent and uh, I remember that, and everything slowed down and you know and uh but i but I remember you know I remember people stopping along the highway and, and helping us out and uh, really in a state of shock and so when I th- heard about you know this horrific uh, accident uh, with the, with the Humboldt team uh, yesterday. Uh, my my immediate thought went to went to that went to everybody responding and those uh, you know those immediate uh, you know the family members trying to figure out you know all they've heard is that there's a, a a bus crash and there's fatalities and was it my kid or wasn't it my kid it's you know imagine this scene for first responders uh, showing up on a scene like this or passerby's you know that got there before you know the first responders on that highway and I that's kind of where my mind went because those are the people that sometimes we forget about, uh, you know, in these, in these tragic events. I mean, the impact is, uh, is wide reaching and, and it's very real.
1: Former NHL star Sheldon Kennedy describing the swift current Broncos bus crash in 1986. He had that conversation with global news, Calgary.
2: There were tears, hugs, prayers, and singing at a vigil for the 15 people killed on Friday. Prime minister Justin Trudeau, Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe and hockey commentators Don Cherry and Ron McLean among the thousands gathered at the hockey arena in Humboldt last night. Adam McVicker from Global News Saskatoon is in Humboldt and he joins us now live on 680 CJOB. It's been a long few days for you, Adam. We appreciate you working us into your schedule.
7: It's been a, uh, a very hectic few days, but thank
2: you for having me this morning. Adam, uh, you know, to personalize this a, a little bit, uh, uh, wh- where did you grow up? I grew up in a, in a small
7: town uh, in Labrador called uh, Wabush. A very small town, about the size of around the size of Humboldt, and uh, I grew up there for the first couple first 12 years of my life and then moved to Calgary uh, since. But recently, been living in small towns, obviously working in news early in my career. So it's small towns close to my
2: heart. I I mention that only because this does remind me of a story that affects where you're from and, and involves where you're from. Brett and I both saw the play Come From Away. And yes. that play expressing and depicting uh, what happened on 9-11 in Gander, Newfoundland and the, and the hospitality, the caring, the amazing support that the individuals in that community uh, lent to individuals who were stranded there. And I just couldn't help but see some similarities because Humboldt seems so grateful for all the support they're receiving from the outside.
7: And you're absolutely right about that. That's a very accurate description. I know last night the team president said today and from now on, we are all Humboldt Broncos. And the team atmosphere in this town right now is very strong. We got people from all over trying to help as much as they can. I've been speaking to former players, former coaches, who are who are here in town trying to help as as much as they can. I spoke also to a 17-year-old. His name is Mitch. He goes to the high school attached to the arena here in town. He goes to school with some of the Broncos and his Basketball coach was in fact Tyler Bieber, one of the uh, one of the people in the crash. He was a play-by-play guy. Uh, he tragically passed away in the crash as well, one of the 15. He said he works at the Boston Pizza. This uh, 17-year-old Mitch he, and he picked up extra shifts this weekend. He's been back and forth trying to bring food here to the arena and where it is needed. He said this is the only way I know how to help and this is my way of, of giving back as well. So it's it's been a very strong team atmosphere I'm picking up here as the last couple of days have unfolded.
1: So, Adam, the one of the things we noticed was how they're – their pictures on the ice, uh, were in these uh, rather fancy frames, there were Mm -hmm. all sorts of matching decorations, and that's one of the things I think where Greg made his initial observation as well, was that the way that they were able to come together and get all of this stuff done in a rather hectic weekend. Uh, So when we talk about the mobilization of of efforts and of people, um, how quick did that all start?
7: It's unbelievable how fast this all came together. Obviously, it, yesterday, it was a zoo around the arena, of course, with people coming in to pay tribute, to bring flowers, pay their respects, to bring anything they they could to help out. But this whole thing, everything at the arena has been organized by people who are also balancing uh, emotions as well. They're balancing um they're balancing with their emotions, balancing with trying to mourn while trying to do this. But I know a lot of people at a T-shirt shop, actually, I was in yesterday making humble, strong T-shirts. They're saying, we're doing this right now. It's Nothing's really sunk in. We're doing this now as a bit of a distraction from the sadness and trying to bring some positivity, some light into this situation where... To, to help other people uh, more in the way they can.
2: Adam, thank you for bringing these uh, stories to us so eloquently. We we will uh, speak again soon. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Adam McVicker from Global News Saskatoon. He is in Humboldt, Saskatchewan.
1: And this is an interesting, uh, rather bizarre uh, note that's come from the Ministry of Justice, and it reads, last night it was discovered that two members of the Humboldt Broncos Junior A hockey team had been incorrectly identified as one another. One of the deceased players had previously been identified as Xavier Labelle. This was an identification error, and Xavier is not deceased. Our condolences go out to the family of Parker Tobin. Unfortunately, Parker is one of the 15 that have lost their lives in this terrible tragedy. Parker had been misidentified and was previously believed to have survived. The office of the chief coroner apologizes for the misidentification and any confusion created by it.
2: Bryce Matlishewski of National Bank Financial Limited joins us now. And Bryce, Kinder Morgan is suspending future spending on the Trans Mountain Pipeline. This is huge news.
6: It is huge. Good morning, guys. Uh, This is a big win for B.C. residents who are opposed to the pipeline. However, this is also a huge blow to the Canadian economy, which relies on its resource-rich energy sector. So for Canada to rely on crude oil sales, we need to get it to world markets. And at the moment, most of it is landlocked in Alberta. Uh, This play by Kinder Morgan is likely just a negotiation tactic, but it represents a very possible outcome if Canada can not get its act together on a solution.
1: Bryce, let's look next to Facebook as Mark Zuckerberg is set to testify before Congress. Well,
6: expect some tough questions at what could be three days of sessions with Congress, and they'll be focusing on how the the uh, Facebook's private information uh, of users was uh, improperly shared. Uh, their stock is already taking a major hit uh, off of this year's high. And depending on how these hearings go, we can expect those results to influence
2: the stock this week. Before we let you go, real quick, uh, Bryce, how are the markets looking to open?
6: At the moment, pre market futures are trading up into the open. Crude oil is up 83 cents to 62.89. And our Canadian dollar is trading up one hundredth of a cent to 78.31.
1: Bryce Madluszewski, thank you very much. Sir, Bryce is with National Bank Financial Limited, a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204 925 5158. Another first-time Masters champ slips on a green jacket in Augusta.
2: Captain America. Captain America indeed. And the Panthers pounce on the opportunity to mess up Boston's first place plans. Kelly Moore standing by with all the latest in sports following a weather update with Brett McGarry in just a moment.
14: In
8: all this darkness, a light has shone through. This light has come From the first responders and the medical professionals who have worked miracles and continue to work miracles
14: for those members of our Broncos family.
2: I can't tell you the amount of respect I've had for that young man, Kevin Geringer, as the president of the Humboldt Broncos. He's been beyond professional giving of his time, sharing information so eloquently. It's Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry, as we continue our coverage of the lead story across the country. Hundreds of people filled the arena in Humboldt, Saskatchewan last night. There was a mixture of grief and support, and we want to talk about how do we deal with this from afar how do we get the support that we need in order to move on from a, a tragedy like this even though it is geographically hundreds of kilometers away to uh, help us with that is our good friend Dr. Raymond Abdul rahman He's a psychologist with Clinic Psychology of Manitoba and, and of course a regular contributor here on the 680 CGOB Morning Show. Uh, Raymond, uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure. Good morning to you. Uh, I just want to ask you uh, about something like that vigil last night, does does commiseration genuinely help the healing well, process?
15: I, I think it's commemoration, and I think it's also about being able to rely on people around you. Um, I think when things like this, when tragedy happens around the world, it can often leave people feeling isolated. It can shake their sense of security. And at those times, it's critically important to remind ourselves that we have people around us. And so that's a really important thing.
1: Doctor, one of the things that I noticed over the weekend, uh, for example, we, had, uh, we heard from a family in Steinbach uh, who was a billet family for one of the players who now plays with Humboldt, uh, Matthew Gomersic. He played with Steinbach a couple of years ago. And, and that family was expressing relief. That Matthew was okay but it almost sounded like they felt guilty for saying that uh, mm-hmm. because there were so many others who did not come out of this okay. So if if there are those who are experiencing guilt because of a situation like this, how do they uh, deal with that? I think
15: it's important to realize that these kinds of situations can leave us with multiple conflicting feelings, right? The idea that you have a sense of relief that the people that some of the people that you know are okay and other people have not been okay. Um, conflicting feelings are very normal and I think being able to understand the way that we think and react to this is, is going to be critical and that means learning to be okay with having both of those feelings that you're not a monster that you're not a bad person because you have that. This concept of survivor's guilt is a common thing for people who've experienced trauma and sometimes trauma can occur to people who've been through it, but there's also vicarious traumatization of people who are close by or who witness those difficulties. Doctor. So that's uh
2: sorry. Go ahead, Doctor.
15: Yeah, so that's normal and, and it's important to learn to expect that as well too. And that helps us cope when we know that we can expect those feelings.
2: Yeah, forgive me for the interruption there. No, it's no problem. The truck driver who was uninjured in the collision has been receiving grief counseling. We can only imagine his pain, the trauma he's gone through. We spoke with first responders and what they deal with in terms of being on the scene first and the long-term ramifications of of those experiences. What about those of us with kids? Uh, I I was at the hockey game at the Jets game with uh, one of my boys. Mm on Saturday night, and I've been overwhelmed by emotion at different times over the last few days, imagining uh, being a parent of of one of the victims and just being overly grateful for the fact that my my children are safe. And I was standing uh, openly weeping uh, during the moment of silence at the hockey game, and uh, Alexander put his arm around me, put his head on my shoulder. He says, it'll be okay, Dad. How do I talk to my kids uh, about this? Well, I I think there are times,
15: you know, generally speaking, I feel like in our society, we don't always talk about tragedy. We don't always talk about death. And I think it's really important for each of us to be able to learn to identify our value systems, regardless of what that might be, uh, to be able to explain that to not just ourselves, but to our children as well, too. And then to use age appropriate kind of descriptions on how to describe what's happened. Um, I think the more we try to guard ourselves from this concept that bad things won't happen to us, the more we become affected by these kinds of incidences, but when we can learn to take these really horrific experiences in stride, but understand that sometimes bad things can happen to good people, it allows us to cope better and it also helps us to shift our sense of safety. I mean, I'd like to quote Fred Rogers, Fred Rogers, uh, Mr. Rogers, everybody knows him? he says, you know, when I was a boy, when I would see scary things on the news, my mother would always say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. And taking that perspective shift of knowing that it pulls people together is a very valuable thing.
1: Raymond, one of the stages of grief is anger. And one of the things mm-hmm. that I noticed over the weekend, I, I, I don't want to say an overwhelming amount, but I did see some anger uh, towards the driver of the semi-truck. We still don't know what the exact circumstances were. We don't know the the cause of the crash, but there are some who are, I saw anger because this the driver of the semi emerged from this okay. So if mm-hmm. that is an emotion that someone is feeling, how can we sort of uh, put that away? How can we deal with that?
15: Well, it's important to realize that we have those feelings. We just need to make sure that we don't project them onto people who don't necessarily, like who may not be the cause for them. We're often looking for reasons. You know, at times when things happen like this, where we have no clear reason as to why bad things happen, we try to make sense of the situation by looking for a cause or a person. And sometimes there may be a person or a thing or a situation to blame, and sometimes there just isn't. But being able to recognize the anger and the anger might be more associated with the loss of these family members, of these valuable citizens, that might be more important to recognize as opposed to trying to look for a source or a cause.
2: Before we let you go, the value of counseling, the value of speaking, Mm -hmm. talk to us about that.
15: Well I would say it's important to understand that there is going to be a normal grief period and the way that we react to those is, is the way we deal with grief or more severe trauma at the beginning will be very much the same and I think one of the very important things and that'll come with commiserating or honoring will be that you get to talk about your feelings but more importantly when you talk about your feelings you talk about your thoughts and being able to restructure the way that we see the world our sense of safety to have a sense of uh, company uh, of support helps us realize that we do have some sense of safety back in the world and allows us to process that and that's really critical Um, number two it'll be really important to continue on with our everyday activity right to make sure that this we take time to honor but we also continue on with the things that need to be done the more that we move away from the everyday activity the more that these things can affect us, so it's this balance between honoring but continuing forward. So those are really critical. Um, and for many people, they'll carry on, and those those things will be those things that I mentioned will be sufficient. But there are going to be times where people are really jarred by this, particularly people who might be closer to this experience, or people who might have had a similar experience, and this triggers more feelings and experiences or memories about something that might have happened to them. And for those people who find that, you know, it doesn't, it goes beyond grief and it continues for a long period of time and it's affecting their daily living, their interactions with other people and their family, that's when I think therapy is really important and it's important to seek out professional help at that point in time to help people get back to what they, get back to the way that they were living.
1: Raymond, thank you very much for your time this morning. We appreciate it as always. Yeah, my sincere pleasure. Take good care. All right. Dr. Raymond Abdul-Rahman, psychologist with Clinic Psychology, Manitoba, regular contributor to the 680 CJOB Morning Show, joining us on Coping with Tragedy. After we check traffic and weather, we are going to hear from a pastor who was at the vigil last night in Humboldt, Saskatchewan, and find out why he didn't want to be there. It's Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. Global News reporter Christian O'Mell joins us now in studio as we continue our coverage on our top story. Humbled Broncos, 15 people killed on Friday night in that tragic crash with a semi-truck and a vigil was held last night. And Christian, uh, what have you learned from the pastor that it was involved there?
14: Well, we heard Pastor Sean Brando at the vigil last night. He was very emotional uh, talking about just the battle he's had to deal with internally and how he's turn to God to try to help answer some of the questions that seem impossible to answer. Uh, This is what one of the things he said at the vigil last night. And walked up
4: and on a scene that I never want to see again, to sounds I never want to hear again, and just feel so lost. And to go to the hospital and walk around and, and just hear groaning and panic and fear and distress and pain and
14: just nothing but darkness. So, Sean Brando this morning talked with our global news team in Humboldt. He was asked what the team means to him.
4: Well, it goes a lot more than just in the rink here. Um, I've worked with Hockey Ministries International for for eight years here, uh, running the chapel program here at the Broncos. And so, as I said last night, I you know, we sit behind the bench to just to see their names and, and know who we're looking at. And the seat location is important to me. You know, I want to be there as close to the guys. And... The ministry that I'm very thankful has been established before last Friday. Um, that the supports have been here when guys are are hurting throughout the season, um, not just in this tragedy and, and hockey ministry is doing that all over the world. Um, they want to be there for the support of the guys and this is just a unique, horrific um, situation which we just find ourselves here as a support. and. And so what does this mean to me? It it just, it just reaffirms why we were doing what we were doing uh, in the first place.
14: Brando was asked about the relationship he had with the players.
4: Well, you know, it it goes beyond just me. Um, Our little church here in Humboldt is, uh, that I pastor is divided up the players. Uh, You know, each of them takes one home, little kids, elderly people, they took one home and they decided that they were gonna pray for that person throughout the the season. And, And that was happening before all of this, you know. And and so it, there was that investment from not just, you know, not just me. Um, and that that's, I think that's true in our community here too. Um, that, that that investment was there through Billets and everyone else. For me personally, you know, it's it just the connection and the, the unique purpose of me being there. I, my heart sort of ached for them already um, before this and, and it's just blew it up. I just didn't know what to do. And Darcy was a good friend, a um, great family friend. Families come to our church and we just, we don't know um, sometimes how to help them. And, and uh, we just really, really feel for them and want to be support to them. So
14: The pastor reflected on how the situation Friday played out from his perspective.
4: Oh man, it was just, uh, from moment one, it was chaos. We knew about the accident before we got there. We got a text message that the bus had crashed and, and as we pulled up, and it was just, uh, yeah, it's chaos is probably the only word. And all I could do is just, you know, just touch one guy, getting put in a stretcher, and then I just, I knew I couldn't do anything there. I just needed to get to the hospital, and thankfully, emergency services, you uh, know, all, all those people in, in all their scrambling just grabbed me and the coach, and you know, and Chris, Chris and I went as fast as we could and into Nepal and to meet guys there and. Again, that speaks to the beauty of uh, of the hockey ministries world because we were able to send chaplains to the other hospitals and people from our church to other hospitals to meet guys there and families there. And, and uh, that network started right from the get-go. And that was uh, horrible, but uh, but stabilizing, I guess, and comforting in a sense too.
14: Finally, Brando talked about what the next few days and weeks will be like.
4: Oh, man, I, you know, wisely, I, I think, oh uh, well, my kid's school was canceled today um, just to give, I, I think, teachers a chance to just unload this a little bit and figure out how do we tackle this and how do we treat this, and and parents have got to wrestle with that, too. Um, you know, they, a lot of kids come here idolizing the Broncos and, and watching them. Some of these are billet parents that, you know, go downstairs to an empty basement or and, it, and so some of this just needs to be a processing, and it's going to sink in after you get out of maintenance mode. But you know, the reality is a lot of this, a lot of the supports are going to disappear in a week or two weeks, um, and that's when the real hurt and heartache for the families and in the community. That's when those those voids are going to need to be filled. And uh, so that's, I guess, that's the continuing unique calling that we have is we're not just. On the outside, We're, our church is here, um, I'm here, and and uh, there's hundreds of other people in this community that want to help, and and, uh, and so there is support here. But in the in the long run, it's going to be a long, long slow heal.
14: That's the uh, team chaplain of the Humboldt Broncos, Sean Brando, talking to our global news team in Humboldt this morning.
2: You know, in small towns, you grew up in a small town, Christian, Mm -hmm. you know how sport galvanizes a community. And and this is why it's hurting so much for the folks in Humboldt, because the Broncos were the center of community to a great extent for a lot of people, maybe even mentioned in the same breath as church for a lot of folks. And so it's a double-edged sword here because that's why they're hurting so much. But I believe ultimately... It's that togetherness, that community pride that originates with the Broncos that will help these people get through this ultimately.
14: And that's the juxtaposition of last night's vigil, right? To have it at the arena on the ice. You can see the logo with the flowers laid about the logo. It's the place where they go to heal, where they go to bond, and it's also the place, you know, last night where it's very raw. And the people that you watch there, you go to watch – you'll never be able to see play again in that building. So from that angle, it's, it's certainly you know, bittersweet to go back into that arena for a lot of those people. And obviously we can't ever understand what it's like for them to go back into that building, but the bonds that they have with everyone in that community is what ultimately will help them get through.
1: Global News reporter Christian O'Mell, thank you very much for joining this morning on 680 CJOB. And coming up after Global News at 9 o'clock, one of the stories of hope to come out of this tragedy, and it involves organ donation. Details on that with Mackling and McGarry. After Global News at 9 o'clock with Jeff Braun on 680 CJOB. I'm Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. It has been a difficult morning as we... Talk about the crash, the tragic crash in Saskatchewan near Tisdale, Saskatchewan involving the bus of the Humboldt Broncos from the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. But there are things that we can look forward to. There are things that we can take some positivity from of course the Winnipeg Jets make their the begin their playoff run this week and that has a lot of people excited you don't have to be a hockey fan to be excited about that it's the playoffs this is our and our team our team is the second best team in the league some could argue even the best right now the hottest at the very least right what are they in their last uh, a,
2: they've lost one of their last 11 if not 12 games yeah. uh the last odds making software chart I saw shows the Jets as a 13.7% favorite to win the Cup. They are the favorite, according to at least one (laughs) betting uh, website and and one online betting uh, betting, uh, website. So yeah, if if you're excited about this, uh, with good reason to be excited about this. Uh, I know that the, the Jets haven't had a ton of success, either versions 1.0 or 2.0, uh, but I I think a lot of us and a lot of you feel that uh, it's going to be different this time around. Uh, I just want to get that first win under the belt, and, and, and I think people will uh, feel a lot better about things. A lot of pressure on the Jets to win that first game on Wednesday night without question.
1: Indeed, there are many who are hopeful for the game on Wednesday, and when it comes to hope, Sometimes hope does spring out of tragedy. And the family of 21-year-old Logan Boulet made a painful decision following the bus crash in Saskatchewan that will result in hope for others. The Lethbridge native was taken off life support over the weekend. Boulet was an organ donor. And now six people in need are receiving the gift of life. And others, or other of his organs, will go towards science for research. So to talk more about organ donation. We are joined by a physician with Transplant Manitoba, Dr. Faisal Siddiqui. Dr. Siddiqui, good morning to you.
2: Good morning to you guys. This is a powerful story in a time of tragedy, Dr. Siddiqui. I agree. Um,
11: It's always amazing when families in uh, difficult situations can honour the wishes of their loved ones and give this amazing gift to help other people live through a disease that may leave them risk of dying.
2: When we hear about six, up to six people receiving the gift of life from Logan Boulay, can you qualify that for us a little bit? Can you give us an idea of how that might work?
11: So um, without knowing the details of uh, Mr. Boulay's case, I can tell you that in general, when a person who suffers an injury that makes them a potential organ donor, There's organs that are assessed to see if they're healthy enough to be transplanted into another human being. And if the family or if the patient wishes are to transplant and the family is in agreement with that, then teams like ours and like they're doing uh, across Canada, teams all across Canada do, we assess uh, the patient and uh, do our best to honour their wish by making sure that uh, whichever organs can be transplanted are transplanted into uh, needy people who are ha- suffering an organ failure of their own. Um, it's a long process. It's a lot of uh, tests and to make sure that the donor has uh, organs that are healthy, but there's also, on the other side, the recipients have a lot of tests to make sure that they can accept a new organ if needed.
1: Dr. Siddiqui, how, I mean, and obviously it's, it's tragic that uh, this young man uh, did not make it. But how beneficial, how crucial was it to the process that Logan Boulay was still alive while the organs were being harvested? Yeah.
11: So uh, organs, once a person passes away and their heart stops beating, the tissues and the organs don't don't survive very long before they're not usable. Um, There's two different ways to make an organ donation, a solid organ donation. One is if you meet the criteria for brain death, uh, then your organs can be transplanted into a recipient, and that includes the heart or the lungs or the liver, the kidneys, um, the pancreas, the small bowel. Uh, So there's a long list of organs that are potentially uh, transplantable in patients who have a permanent severe brain injury to the point of brain death. And there's a very strict criteria for that. There's another path of donation, which is called donation after cardiac death. And that's where someone who's expressed a wish to donate but hasn't met that strict criteria for brain death, once their heart stops after an appropriate amount of time, their uh, their organs are considered for transplantation. And that consideration, the testing happens all before their heart stops. But their hearts um, is—they're taken off life support, and they're once their heart stops off life support. If that happens within the right uh, circumstances, then those organs can—some of those organs can be considered for transplant, including the liver and the kidneys. Um, So um, it's—it's again a wonderful gift to help up to three people live, uh, or as many as eight people can uh, be helped by a. donor who's suffered a brain death. It's it's an amazing gift and it's wonderful to hear that people are talking about it again and, um, and making sure that uh, what's really essential is that if you, it's your wish to donate, that you let your family know, let your friends know, uh, so that if that situation arises uh, unexpectedly where you could be a donor, that they can honor your wishes.
2: Dr. Faisal Zadiki joins us now. He's a physician with Transplant Manitoba. And we also understand that uh, Logan uh, donated his his body and his organs to science, something that my 91-year-old grandfather did as well. And you mentioned the whole process about assessing these organs uh, as to whether or not they're suitable for transplant. I was fascinated during the process after my grandfather's passing of the entire process of assessing as to whether or not he was suitable to, as we put it, uh, this is the spin we put it in my family, to get into university, to finally get into school at the (laughs) post-secondary level, because uh, uh, that's really how I want to remember that donation on my grandfather's behalf.
11: Yeah, that's a wonderful spin to apply. And, uh, you know, that kind of gift that your grandfather wanted to give is, is a great example where, Um, I think Manitobans and Canadians in general, we're generous people. We want to give that gift and we want to help other people. And it's really important if you know the wishes of your loved ones that you can make that gift or make their their wishes come true in terms of when they pass. That's a wonderful story.
1: Dr. Faisal Siddiqui, what should we do or how do we ensure that if we want our organs to be donated, what do we do? Where do we go to do it?
11: So I think the most important thing
1: to do is to make
11: that decision within yourself to say this is something that you want. Then you have to share those wishes with your family and friends. You can register your intent to donate online in Manitoba at signupforlife.ca with your, uh, your name, your date of birth, and your personal health information number, which is on your health card. It takes about two minutes. You can register your intent, and it's an enduring registration of your uh, wishes, if uh the situation arises where you've suffered an injury and you could be uh near the end of your life and you could donate your organs, um our organ donor teams can access that information once you reach the kind of the basic criteria to consider donation. And if your family isn't aware of your wishes, they can share that, you know, on this date uh of this year your loved one actually went online and registered their intent to donate. And it just makes sure that your family knows the wishes and then Once the family agrees and uh, your wishes are clear, we can proceed with that process. But I think the first step is make a decision for yourself, share that information with yourself, register your intent to uh, donate online.
2: What's that website one more time, Dr. Siddiqui? Sure,
11: signupforlife.ca. That's our website. We have over 23,000 Manitobans have registered their intent to donate, and I think it's only going to grow.
2: Dr. Siddiqui, thank you for this.
11: No problem.
1: Thank you, guys. Dr. Faisal Siddiqui, physician with Transplant Manitoba. 9.15 9.15 on 680 CJOB. We're also hearing that blood
2: donations have increased to Canada Blood Services in the wake of this tragedy in Saskatchewan. People looking for ways to make a difference, Brett, to to do something from afar. And uh, this is a tremendous way to, to honour the victims.
1: That was actually some something similar happened in Germany. Over the weekend where there was that crash, there was somebody crashed into a crowd and uh, there was a call at the hospital for blood donations and they had so many people show up. They had a monster lineup that they actually had to call it off and say, we've got too many people coming to aid. So that's uh, good to hear that uh, even in the, in the wake of such tragedy that there are so many people willing to provide their generosity. Uh, also financial support, the GoFundMe page in support of the Humboldt Broncos, uh, which once again, just in case you were not aware, was set up on Friday with the goal of raising $10,000. It has now raised $4.893 million. That is just incredible.
2: On this difficult day for so many of us, we appreciate your feedback at 780-6868. I just know him as Gravy. A lot of you know David Graves. He has joined us on this program several times. Uh, The last time was from South Korea as part of the Israeli bobsleigh and skeleton team. He's back in Winnipeg. And uh, David, uh, nice to see you. Sorry it's uh, under these circumstances. You mentioned the fact before we came in here that if not for social media, you and I might not have ever stayed in touch. Uh, we have so many common friends, but life being what it is, uh, Facebook has uh, really uh, allowed us to, to connect on a different level. So uh, And follow each other's paths, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a part of your past that I had no idea of happened in 1979. Tell us the story. You're so good at that. Um yeah
16: I, it's funny my my cousin my first cousin just mentioned to me that how how did I not know that we went to school together we were the same age she had no recollection of that but um i just did it as a as a post on facebook to I, I, you're one of your um your uh guests earlier commented on how uh these types of incidences bring back things to other people that may have had a similar uh Experience so. As a twelve-year-old, I was uh, playing hockey and uh, on a team that uh, every other year went down to Minneapolis or Saint Paul. Um, And uh, so we were a bus, a busload of kids, and driving down uh, early morning. We passed uh, about, I guess, about a few miles past Grand Forks. And as I as I wrote, I remember the bus driver screaming something like "Hold on" or "Look out." And as I was looking out towards the front of the bus, I Saw the ditch coming and the snow flying, and the next thing I knew, the bus flipped over. Uh, as I said, I was on the side of the bus that flipped down, so everyone on the other side of the bus fell on top of us. And it, it was just—I um, I don't really have a whole lot of recollection from that as a, t- as a 12-year-old, but I know that the what the impact was on my life even to this day in terms of my travel on buses, on planes, on in cars, etc., and that fear of always having to watch the road. Um, And it was a very, very scary thing for us as kids. Um, We were a few years younger than uh, the guys uh, from Humboldt. Um, And just being out there in the cold, uh, in the dark, not knowing who's okay, who's not okay, um, and being by yourself, essentially, uh, because you want your family. It was a a pretty scary experience. And fortunately, there were only just some Broken bones in our experience, but there's trauma there and it came right back to me. I just had that. I remember being a 12 year old all over again in that experience and since uh, having to deal with some of the things over the years that I had to deal with.
1: What time did this happen, the crash ish, approximately? It
16: was probably around noon. uh, So it wasn't dark out, but it was like (laughs) it was dark in the bus, right? We're upside down. Half the windows are all the windows are shattered. I I remember having to crawl out the front. The front windshield um, but you know there's kids crying and screaming and moaning and uh, you know just I don't even remember what I saw other than um, going towards the light so to speak get out through the front window um, and then on the you know there were cars pulled over and there were some trailer families uh, not trailer families but families trailing us in the in the car, uh, kids got in cars and were driven, driven to the hospital, and they just jammed kids into ambulances and that they could, and it was pretty crazy, um, crazy experience for a young bunch of kids.
2: You mentioned this affects you to this very day. You have issues with playing and and being a passenger and vehicles overall, Dave?
16: Um, you know, it's not like I can't get in a vehicle, but on road trips, on the many road trips I've taken, as we tend to as we go through life, to concerts, wherever it happens to be, even if it's just the Grand Forks, I always had to be driving or I always had to be up and watching the road. I've never slept in a vehicle. I've never been able to sleep on the numerous uh, transcontinental flights I've taken in my years. People say, oh, you know, take a little something and you'll go to sleep. I've never been able to sleep on a 12-hour flight, a 13-hour flight, and um, and it's because of the turbulence, every little bump. I just, I feel it, you know, it wakes me up, I'm alert. I look for the, the flight attendant to see what they're, what's on their face. And similarly, um, for the years after, I was uh, always, my father would always come on these road trips now and I would drive with him in the car. Uh, I wouldn't go on the team bus. I was just too afraid to get back on the bus. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just in general, I, I don't think about it that much, but I always, and I never really attributed it to that, uh, unless I was sitting and thinking about it, right, but that at the end of the day as a 50 year old This happened some 40 some odd, just under 40 years ago Still has an impact uh, on on how I feel in a vehicle traveling on the highway
1: Why does being the driver make you feel better? Just control um, When
16: we had when we came back to Winnipeg that day a few hours later We had to get back on a bus They sent a bus for us to come back and I thought to myself are you kidding me? How am I going to get on a bus? And I literally refused to get on that bus until finally they they convinced me, and I had to sit right behind the driver. I sat and I watched, and every little semi we passed, and every little bobble in the road, uh, and it was nighttime now. Um, I was just I was clenched the whole time. The two hours back to Winnipeg, so now I just prefer to be in control of the vehicle. I'm very cautious when I drive, uh, even though some people think I speed when I drive, but I'm always wanting to be in open space, right? I want to be a- ahead of the pack and where I can control what's in front of me.
2: You know, one of the conversations we had off-air yesterday and preparing for today was uh, what are some of the secondary stories that come out of this, and what do have? What do people start wondering when something like what happened this weekend happens? And and one of those things I think is is the confidence in the quarter, sort of how the system's supposed to work, right? You're supposed you put your kid on the bus, or you get on the bus, and and you're supposed to be stressed out about the outcome of the game and not getting injured in the game and making it through the game healthy. Uh, the part of getting from A to B is the part that we take for granted, and and mm-hmm. that's clearly uh, was shaken in your case, and will be uh, uh, an issue for a lot of people after this past weekend.
16: I had some comments from mums and dads of uh, hockey parents and soccer parents, just people that I spend my time with, who first of all didn't know this story. I don't talk about this obviously very often. Uh, it just seemed right to make a comment about it now because it just it just came right to the front for me again. Um, and a lot of them were just um, thinking as a hockey mom or a hockey dad what what we don't usually think about. You get on that bus, like you said, and you're supposed to end up at the rink or wherever you're heading. And uh, and there's a whole journey in between there where anything can happen, you know, and not necessarily something that's your fault. We don't know whose fault the accident was, and it doesn't really matter at this point. but. Um, there's a lot of responsibility left in the hands of the people that are taking your 12-year-olds or your 20-year-olds on the bus on a regular basis. So, yeah, it's um, my kids haven't my kids go to camp, so they take a two or three-hour bus ride to Kenora every summer, uh, and I think about that. But mostly, I think about how much fun it is to be on that bus, and that was the best part of these hockey trips was playing penny poker in the back of the bus I didn't play poker I didn't know how but I love the older kids right playing poker and just being a part of that camaraderie and that 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 um, that community uh, and then it gets a major disruption when something like this happens
1: did you were you ever able to enjoy that kind of camaraderie again on those bus rides after that well you know ironically I, about a year later I
16: um, it was the fall and my soccer team went to Calgary for a road trip and I was really really nervous. But it was it was the fall, so the weather conditions were better. So part of it was winter driving and, and and um I was able to do it, but that was my first that was my first time back on a bus. And it was very difficult for me. And again, I, I was kids are sleeping and everyone's sleeping on the bus. It's a twelve or thirteen hour bus ride, whatever it was. And I was up the whole time watching through the window. Uh, I wasn't able to totally relax. I did enjoy being on the bus with the team. Um, but um, there's that just that thing in the back of my brain. My kids sort of make fun of me with my little anxiety around travel and things like that. But uh, And I don't really attribute it to anything until something like this happens. And as I sat down the last couple of days thinking about like how I travel, it, I realized once again that this thing that happened in 1979 has— Played a major role in how I feel when I'm traveling or when my kids get on the bus. That, um, you know, I'm sure many people will now be thinking about because of the tragedy in Saskatchewan. So,
2: Dave, thanks for this.
16: Thanks for having me. We
1: very much appreciate uh, seeing you once again. David Graves, member of a hockey team involved in a crash in 1979. He sent us uh, a copy or an image of the front page, or pardon me, a front page, but a page from the Tribune. A bus from Winnipeg has brushed with tragedy in North Dakota, and there's a picture of an ambulance, and beside it is the bus on its side uh, in the ditch. So thank you very much uh, for sending us this. Thanks, guys. And the question of the day, by the way, at CJOB.com, if you find that your private data has been compromised, will you leave Facebook? Yes or no? Question of the day for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. Get two quotes before you call them. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204-832-6243. Lots of people getting excited for the first
2: NHL playoff game in these parts in three years. Wednesday night, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers had scheduled their fan forum, their annual event mm-hmm. for Wednesday night. They have postponed that. So stay tuned. They will let mm-hmm. you know when they've rescheduled that. They didn't want it to conflict with your priorities with hockey. Mm-hmm. So being a good neighbor, the Blue Bombers. So thanks to Mike O'Shea, Kyle Walters, and Wade Miller at the Blue Bombers for uh, shifting things around. No shifting around today. Jeff is no. here
0: at 10 o'clock as planned. Well, you, you mentioned the, the playoff run, uh, Greg. And, of course, this, this city is going to have so much fun with the playoff round and, and it may be therapeutic. For hockey fans everywhere, especially in playoff cities, to to use hockey to bring us together. It's it, it's torn our hearts out. Hockey has torn our hearts out in Canada this week, but it may also serve to bring us together. And I'm, I'm hoping that that's what happens. know, a lot of these NHL players can relate so closely to what happened because most of them are not very many years removed from riding the buses themselves. It, it's it, it's such a huge part of, of who they are, what they grew up with. They started riding the buses as little boys and rode those buses all the way through junior and some of them into minor pro uh, at the AHL level or the East Coast League or wherever. I mean, that's a lot of bus travel. Mm -hmm. So these guys understand uh, what it is. And, you know, the, the, the tens of millions of kilometers of bus travel all over North America every year, not just by hockey teams, all sports teams, band trips you know school trips of all kinds uh, it is and passenger buses th- these things are so exceedingly rare and there's no explaining there's no explanation there is no why you know why didn't the one of those vehicles clear the intersection a second sooner uh, th- there's no way to explain that there you know and and we even saw that individual last night with some some people who are pastors religious faith leaders and they they can't explain it there is no there is no way to understand or explain this kind of thing. But I want to open up our phone lines this morning and let's just, and anything you want to vent or talk about, about what happened in Humboldt, uh, I think it's important that we just, whatever it is you feel compelled to say, I want to give you a chance to say it. Yeah, I agree with you very much. Jeff Currier coming up after the 10 o'clock news. On
1: 680 CJOB, thank you very much, Jeff. Hal Anderson from 1 until 4. Richard Cloutier with Julie Buckingham from 4 until 7 on the news. And then coming up tonight, One Great City Brewing Company on Ness at Madison Square. We will be having our grand finale event for Win Local with 680 CJOB. All of the qualifiers who got their ticket in through Mackling and McGarry and through the news with Richard and Julie will be joining us today, uh, tonight. And someone will win all that good stuff.
2: We'll be doing our best to draw your name or not draw your name without discrimination based on when you won. Uh, we're obviously hoping for <laughs> a listener that qualified during Mackling and McGarry tonight. Jeff, we'll see you tonight.
1: We will. I'm looking forward to it. Be a great night. Thank you, sir. And uh, have a great show from 10 to 1. Uh, Jeff Career. I'm Brett McGarry, he's Greg Mackling, Shanelie Vidal, and behind the glass, Jerry, thanking you for listening to 680 CJOB. Global News with Jeff Braun is next.